Trenders, welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by... Hi everyone, my name is Isabel. And this is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be a trope dis- dissection. We will be discussing the trope of damsel in distress and sort of go into some of the reasons of why this trope works and is popular and why this trope sometimes doesn't work. For anyone who might not know, um, a damsel in distress is a female character that is put into immediate danger in order to put the cast in motion. Culturally, uh, there's been a shift in regards to how we view damsel in distresses as well as its popularity. Obviously, in the old uh, older days, especially in all forms of media, whether it's movie, live action movies, um, books, shows, uh, damsel in distresses tend to be a lot more common amongst the female characters. And the it's sort of tapered off as time has gone by. On top of the fact we've started to get more, uh, you know, quote unquote, damsel in distresses that are actually male characters. So, um, out of curiosity, what are your guys' opinion as a whole on this trope? Do you like it? And if you do, like, what are the parts that you do like? And if you don't like it, you know, why do you not like it? I don't know. Personally, I don't like it too much. Um, especially, But I do understand it's a plot device, usually, for, mm-hmm. like you said, to get shows started, to get the story started. I, I just don't like it if the character stays that way for the longest time ever. I think that's kind of like my basic idea of what a damsel distress is or how the show is like. Um, I do see a lot of that in reverse harems where mm. most of the girls will stay that way for the whole series. Mm-hmm. And those are the shows that I kind of stay away from or just label them as bad and something I wouldn't go back to. Mm-hmm. So you're more, it's it's not so much that like a female character uh, being in distress is the issue, it's if they just stay in that role consistently, correct? Right, and- consistently, yeah, because then I feel like there's no character development, then nothing really happens, they are always getting saved, they're always getting trouble, and then I'm, and then the other characters are more prominent than the main character themselves, probably, so mm-hmm. that's, that's my take on it, mm-hmm. And for this sort of like consistent damsel in distress character, would do you like you you mentioned reverse or you mentioned harms, but like do you have one that like pops up in the top of your head immediately that shows that's you know that might be one we know in anime? I can't remember the show name. It was like a it's usually the, I feel like the vampire series where the girl is <laughs> diabolic uh, lovers. <laughs> yes, there we go. That one. Ah, nailed it. <laughs> Wait, yeah, are we talking about Vampire Night again? <laughs> no, no, we're talking about Diabolic Lovers, the other one. Oh, but it's God. the reverse harem one. Oh, God, why did you remind me of that? Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the show that comes to mind for me where, yeah, the vampires are, are pretty okay, but the fact that I, the main character just kind of is stuck there and uh, doesn't seem to have any motivation. She doesn't really have a personality. Yeah, in a sense. Uh, she, she, may, she maybe has like a different personality with every vampire that she's trapped with at that moment. And so like I, don't, I feel like she does not have any character to herself. She's not very memorable in a sense. And uh, yeah, I just feel trapped. I, I don't feel anything for the character really. Okay, so here's my question. Did we all watch that dumb anime? <laughs> 
I avoided it like the plague the moment I saw the promo oh, picture. I Agnes, said, no, you, I'm not doing this to myself. <laughs> you are wise because I made the mistake of watching it. So. Gracie, you watch, you watch everything every season, so it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. Okay, I don't watch everything every season. That would kill me, but the art was really pretty. So yes, I was interested if nothing else. Um, no, yeah. So, that, so the other question is, when you guys came in to watch Di- wait, did Diabolic Lovers come before or after Katsuki of the Dawn? I was about to ask, like, oh. if it came after. I wonder if you came I, in with the expectations. Hang on, hang on, that hang on, hang on, hang on. Was- Let me look it up. So let's see. Quick, quick googly right now. Do 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 do. Oh yeah! Wait, 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 wait. I got this. I got this, guys. Um. Okay, so it came out in 2013 September. And I okay. think Akatsuki no Yona came out later, I think. Um, oh, okay. So we're still stuck in that reverse harem. Uh, yeah, pool uh, of Yona of the okay. Dawn came out in October 14, and Diabolical Lovers oh. came at the end of 2013. Yeah. Ah, okay. I see. I see. I see. Man, and Big here yikes. I thought we were talking about Vampire Night again, but then I just remembered Diabolic Lovers was worse. So. It was worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh man okay so yeah that's clearly a good example of one that like none of us like or agnes you you won't like her you don't need to watch it i'll tell you you won't like her so um do you have an example at all where you think the damsel in distress uh trope worked and and you don't mind it in regards to the anime character um uh yeah i was thinking of elizabeth from seven deadly sins Oh, she's kind of like okay in a sense. I she does get uh, in the beginning. I feel like she definitely needs a lot of saving, or she's just kind of there on the side, especially when the uh, sins are fighting, and she definitely cries a lot as well. Um, <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> that is such a cl- that's a classic trait of damsel in distresses is just a lot of crying. <laughs> is it her like her power like tears? At the end of it, something like Saint Tears or something. I don't remember it too well. Actually, it might be when she first revealed the problem. <laughs> yes, she was crying, which was yeah, I <laughs> forgot about that. But yes, that actually did happen. Um, yeah, I would have to look that up again. But yeah, basically, she does. She does show her powers later, which becomes um, more important in the plot. I haven't. I haven't read the manga, but I know later it does happen, and then um, I'm excited to see that, especially this season when the. I believe the final part to Seven Deadly Sins is coming out, so I'm excited to see how Elizabeth will grow based on the previous seasons that uh, she's been able to show her powers. But yeah, I think that's one example where it kind of works out, and I'm actually okay with it, even though I was kind of frustrated with her character in the beginning. I couldn't get myself to like her. I'm like, Elizabeth is really pretty. She is a princess. She's a princess too. So um, it's nice, uh, <sighs> nice to see her change in a sense, and then also like interact with the sins, and that her level of power might be on the same level as them too. Okay, so it's more like because even though she starts off that, is she still like damsel in distressy even now with her development, or less so? Less so, mostly. Um, okay. Obviously, she's also more of like a heal- healer type. Um, the way that her power is, so she's not definitely not on the front line. She's kind of like after the battle, or like kind of like um, when you know when one battle happens, and then she has to heal the people, and then you know another battle happens. So that's kind of her role in a sense. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like I guess like Sakura from Naruto. So I was mm-hmm. just thinking that actually. <laughs> 
textbook uh, case. Yeah, no, I feel like she's definitely a textbook case. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I, those are good. Those are honestly pretty good examples. I haven't seen Seven Deadly Sins, but I know, like, I know Elizabeth doesn't reach the level of hate as other uh, damsel in distress anime characters tend to get in shonen adaptations. So I figured she was a better example of one than other characters might be. Even though, once again, I don't watch the anime itself. Okay, so Agnes, what are your thoughts on this particular trope? <laughs> I kind of avoid it as well. Every time I see one, especially like from a reverse harem or harem, I just say, nope, and I exit out of the window. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort of getting mad over wow. if I know that the damsel in distress is going to be, like, it's going to exceed that particular expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, noteworthy mentions of girls that go past the damsel in distress and actually become characters would be, like, obvious choices like Akatsuki no Yona, Yona of the Dawn, and also from a red-haired uh, princess, mm-hmm. the snow, the Snow White red-haired princess. Oh yes, but yes. we've already talked about we've already talked about them at length, so I'm not going to touch those either. Um, I will say though that, like Gracie mentioned, there's been a slow shift towards creating damsel in distress characters that are potentially male and or they're a different textbook case of the damsel in distress uh the two ones that i want to highlight the most is chise from ancient magus bride and erin from attack on Titan. i know i'm gonna get flamed by this a lot but <laughs> here's my hot take uh-huh. so the damsel in distress trope can go two ways like one is like the damsel just stands there is useless and she's constantly like kidnapped yes <laughs> or they're constantly like being uh held hostage or whatever right but then there's the other textbook case of damsel in distress where they the characters constantly throw themselves in the weight of battle or into very tricky situations with no way to get out of it. They're kind of like self-sacrificial in a sense. And every single time they do that, other characters have to go save them. Right, right, yes. Yeah. So for me, Eren was like the biggest example of that out of all the shonen protagonists, which is very atypical because you would think the shonen protagonist is, I don't know, a little bit more sensible. But Eren, even after three seasons and the the recent fifth episode of the final season, he still holds on to that very weird grudge of, you killed my mom, and basically rampages as a titan throughout without any actual plan or strategy. He always needs to have, at least in the background, one of the Ackermans or Armin to save him. <laughs> It's uh, so actually, I'm glad you pointed out Aaron because I think that was a running gag for a long time. Like, a lot yeah, of people didn't like it. It was like, huge. A lot of people were laughing at the fact that Aaron always gets kidnapped. And even, like, even that was part of the plot at one point, <laughs> season three, where um, um, <laughs> he got kidnapped twice. Yeah, okay, like, he got kidnapped like, twice. Sasha was just like, oh no, Aaron got kidnapped again. <laughs> she was kidnapped <laughs> This um, is why Sasha is still my favorite character. <laughs> okay, so. Since, you know, like I said, there's been a shift where we are starting to see more male characters sort of fit this archetype. Is it still annoying to you to see male characters in this situation? Or has it become more refreshing because they're allowing it to span across different genders now? I feel like it's still, I feel like the damn, just the trope itself, the, the character in distress trope is just very annoying because they tend to still like, 
Isabel pointed out, cement themselves in a role where they don't improve on themselves. Okay. And it just becomes very annoying. On top of that, Eren is the typical shonen protagonist. So everything kind of compounds him onto like this, I don't really like him as a protagonist at the end of the day. But what's interesting is you you did also point out that he is unlike shonen protagonists in the fact that he keeps finding himself in distress because I would, I would argue that most shonen protagonists are the ones who's doing the saving. You know, but he's the one who's needed right. to be saved. Exactly. He's he's always the one needed saving. There's always an Ackerman somewhere in the background. Um and he and surprisingly enough, he doesn't actually take the spotlight in any of the rest of the seasons as well. Uh like for instance, uh season two is less emphasis on Aaron, more emphasis on Levi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh season three is also more emphasis on Levi and um Historia. 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 Yeah. I, I would, I don't want to spoil it in case of everything everyone knows now. Yeah. It's more like Levi and Historia. And in the most recent final season of Attack on Titan, it's mostly Reiner as a result. Yeah. So like, Aaron is just kind of there. I suppose. He's a plot device in itself. <laughs> he's the plot device damsel in distress. Yeah. He's, he's pretty like, even if I'm like not attuned to Aaron's like personality, I can at least admit that he is pretty interesting. The fact that you know you can't really say other shonen characters are like he starts out super generic, but then now you're kind of like he's kind of a mixed bag of things, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I can definitely applaud the fact that Aaron has like this unquenchable like vengeance and conviction. Um, but the lines that he says repeats a lot often too, so it actually annoys me afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Agnes has no patience for Aaron's no patience. <laughs> for Aaron's drama antics. Every time Aaron pops up on screen, my my mind kind of just blanks out, and I go look for like another character, and I just hear like Aaron screaming in the background, "You killed my mother!" And I'm like, "Cool story, dude." <laughs> Aww, don't you ever wonder where he is though? You know, like in the last season, like where is Aaron? Or no. I I mean, I do sympathize with the fact that you know, his only family died, everything in his world is lost, but at the pace of the story that's going, like, there's a much bigger picture. But for some reason, he never really encapsulates that in his mind. Like, you look at all the Ackermans, you look at all the other side characters, they all have very tragic stories as well, but they always have a level head of where their place is in the story, versus Aaron is still kind of stuck in that one place. Yeah, he really is, and then... So I was about to say, so that's Aaron in regards to the damsel in distress. But what about Chise? Because you mentioned her. Chise is interesting. Um, I feel like a lot of people who watch the anime wouldn't really think about it that way because everyone's really big on like Chise and Elias ship, a uh, big bone daddy with small girl, right? <laughs> but <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> Big bone daddy. Yeah, there you go. I said it. Um, but the heart of the matter lies because I read the manga before the anime came out, and I was like a big-time manga follower. And there was actually an extremely toxic community in the manga side. Oh. And they expressed a lot of dislike for Chise, actually. Oh. Um, most of it comes from the fact that every season, every arc that Chise uh, journeys through, she always sacrifices herself. She always does things recklessly, even if Elias or any of the other side characters warn her to not do something, she always overdoes it. And then every single time, Elias, her, um, her dog Ruth, and any of the other spirits have to go save her. And it's actually quite exhausting to the point that there's a, a breaking point within Elias's and Chise's relationship. 
Uh, not to mention the whole wedding scene that they do at the end of the anime. Yeah, that never actually happens in the manga. So that's even oh, worse. Oh, I, I heard oh. about that. Yeah. yeah. The wedding scene never happened. It's literally like a huge... Because the way that the anime ended, it ended on one of the most crucial arcs within the manga. And there's actually a period of transition where Chisei is like recovering from that particular arc. So they never get married or anything like that. Oh. Instead, it's like a lot of... I wouldn't say sexual tension, but a lot of relationship tensions in general because they're trying to balance out, like, how is Chisei going to actually be not this sacrificial heroine who does everything without thinking for herself? And then Elias trying to, like, balance out between too overprotective or letting her do what she desires. So that's, like, the reason why, like, I think, or at least perhaps a good majority of the manga community would think that Chisei is potentially a damsel in distress. I definitely, I watched the anime, so I can't speak for the manga, but I still think she absolutely fits that criteria. Her being in distress often jumpstarts a lot of the arcs and the conflicts and sort of right. the actions of other characters. So it fits the um, categorical definition by itself. I'm curious yeah. on, so what are your personal thoughts on her then? Like, are do you agree with the manga community that really, really dislikes her? Or do you think it's more complex than that? I think it's a lot more complex because Chisei comes from a, an extremely tragic background, which is another textbook case of, you know, damsel in distress. In addition to the fact that she's she's got all these curses on her at this point by the end of the anime and some point in the manga. But she comes from a place that was not warm. She was ineffectively abandoned. She was almost killed by her own mother. And she was basically sold into an auction because somebody thought that she was potentially useful, even though she was about to commit suicide as well. So the fact that she has like a very unhealthy and damaged mindset may lead to the fact that she does things for other people because it's a means for her to fulfill a purpose. But as the story goes on, and actually in the current arc of the manga, it seems to have mellowed out quite a bit. Like she understands the pros and cons. And there's actually like little comedic scenes of Elias always like reprimanding her or reminding her, don't do reckless things. And she continues to promise him and they come to a, a bit more of a better understanding of where her mental state lies and where her trope as a, uh, a damsel in distress could be improved. So, um, it sounds like you're more okay with the character embodying this trope if there is some form of exclamation, ex exclamation, explanation, explanation to their their sort of mindset. Is that like accurate? Most definitely. I mean, she says only sixteen, mm -hmm. right? So the idea that she comes from a tragic background, plus she's only a teenager, really doesn't mean that she understands the world fully at its scope. And the way that things, the things that progress in the manga is actually fairly slow. Versus in Attack on Titan, you could say the argument that you know, well, Aaron's a dumb is a dumb horny teenager who's like what fifteen. But at the same time, like his whole world is going through an apocalypse. So he has, she should be able to wisen up at the end of the day and figure out what he needs to do and not be the damsel in distress. But in Chisei's world, it doesn't change as dramatically. Uh, well, see, that's like my thing. I was like, I would argue that technically Aaron kind of has an explanation to it as well. Cause I think, I think everyone here would admit that watching your mom get eaten is, is like god awful traumatizing. Oh no, it's traumatizing. Yes. Correct. But. The fact that there's bigger stakes on top of that, you would think that maybe Eren would prioritize a bit better versus Chisei actually does not prioritize at all in the manga. She doesn't prioritize her own health. She doesn't even prioritize the own circumstances of how other people see her as well. 
Yeah. Whereas like Eren has like, you know, Armin and Mikasa and everyone around him. Like Chisei really doesn't have anyone actually. Um, yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. The only people she has is like Elias and Ruth. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is kind of like on the fringes trying to like guide her towards a path of non-self-destruction. Okay, so I'm, I'm still trying to nail down the differences as, like, why you guys find Aaron more annoying than Chisei. So in Aaron's case, it's the fact that he does have good influences around him. You feel like at this point in time, he should have been able to absorb it already versus, like, Chisei, those people who have good influences are kind of more on the side. And obviously, Elias and Ruth are not exactly the best companions to have that can understand human society and culture and, like, mental health and et cetera, et cetera, sort of thing to guide her. Is that correct? It's close enough. I would say it's more because Chisei, the whole part, the whole part of Chisei's, uh, the whole part of, like, Ancient Magus is just a long, long, long journey of, like, undoing bad habits. Mm. It's a very, very long journey. Versus in Attack on Titan, there's a central plot, there's a central uh, focus for action, and a central need. What do they need to do? They need to rebuild the walls. What do they need to do? They need to find the last missing uh, heir to the throne of this country. What else do they need to do? They need to figure out how to protect themselves from the Marlian government. So in that case, like the character um, progression is outweighed by the needs of the world in Attack on Titan, personally. Okay, I see what's going yeah. on now. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like your critique about this is very inherent to your personality as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this like, hello? I mean, okay, but like, well, okay, like, think about it, because Agnes, you are, like, you are very rational and logical, and you get, like, your logical slash rationalization, like, amps up ten times in more stressful situations, and so it's like, I kind of almost see you as Levi within the Attack on Titan situation, where oh, he's no. just like, you go. have to get things done, like, you know, screw this, I know you're going through personal history and, like, identity crisis right now and stuff like that, but, like, get over it, because we've got something bigger on our hands <laughs> i mean but it's not just me saying that as a bias but all the characters are like that too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the series so it kind of just feels weird to have like one character just rampaging too much like you killed my mother and everyone else is like yeah cool but okay there's a bigger enemy right in front of us i, I so. i'm not saying that obviously i side with aaron or particularly like him per se because my favorite characters are elsewhere in attack on titan but I I would argue and say, though, Aaron isn't exactly unrealistic in that regard because certain people deal with certain situations differently. And unfortunately, some people, when they get into this extreme, stressful, violent situation, they get stuck in one area and they're unable to move forward. And so I think Aaron does reflect that emotionally very, very well. Um, so I, so it's like, I don't think it's unrealistic to have him like that, but I can absolutely see like why he irks you per se. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, but that's the end of my spiel of my two takes on damsel and distresses. There's probably a lot more, especially in older series, uh, where the female protagonist is very, very damsel and distress. But I wanted to highlight these two as, um, as they would say in the DMC games, uh, the dead weights of their series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead weight Nero. <laughs> Green and Orihime from Bleach all over. <laughs> I 
I have touched bleach once in one episode, and I think that's enough. <laughs> because if I touch bleach one more time, this entire episode's going to become a bleach episode <laughs> and not an episode about different damsel distresses. Because that's another, that's another, it's like the same thing with Naruto too, right? Yeah, or the same yeah, thing yeah, with sure. like One Piece. You can go on and on about it yeah. with all their damsels and distresses. And you'll never reach a stopping point. Yeah. Though, ironically, uh, Naruto ha- gives, like, one very good example of a damsel in distress that works. And then terrible examples of damsel in distress yeah. that don't work. So, um, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Okay. Well, um, for me personally, I think damsel in distress works as a writing, as a writing style. Or not writing style. Like, uh, as a writing tool if it's used correctly. Which... Arguably, you can say that about all tropes, right? Because every single trope exists for a reason, and every single trope has been used very successfully in ways that touches people. And so um, I agree with um, both of you two in that, like, if there's no reason for their sacrificial mindset, slash if they just stay a damsel in distress, it becomes extremely boring and extremely... um, it's just boring, like, in my opinion. And so, but in certain cases, there are, like, damsel in distresses that work. For example, um, like, you know, there are female characters who fight, like, tooth and nail, and they just happen to find themselves in, or not happen, but even after fighting tooth and nail, they find themselves in a distressful situation. That works, because they've put all their effort into it, and you were invested in that effort, per se. But then there are situations where it's just, it's just like they're not actually fighting and you just can't help but roll your eyes. So the one example of a damsel in distress that I think works really, really well, not to do with the fighting actually, but um, it's actually more in line with yours, Agnes, in regards to like how someone gets there. Kyle from Erased. Kyle. Kyle. Oh, um, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She is 100% damsel in distress. She was actually murdered at one point, and um, she is an, ex- an extremely abusive physically and emotionally uh, family and basically has no way out and has sort of resigned to her fate when we meet her. I think she's an excellent example of a damsel in distress that works because, A, this is a... V- her situation is completely realistic. She is tiny. She is only 11 or 12 years old. There is no way an 11 or 12 year old girl is able to get herself out of distress in a physically and emotionally abusive family. Like that's just, that's just not going to happen. So immediately the situation that sets her up to be in distress is, I wouldn't say perfect, but very well thought out where you can't poke holes in it and be like she could have like ran out or something like that because she's not independent she's literally dependent on these people who are abusing her and so the second thing that I think works out really well because I would say like the whole plot revolves around saving her from distress but it works out well because of the fact that she is in such an unfortunate circumstance with really little ways to get out of. The distress feels a lot heavier and not something like, oh no, she got caught and she's kidnapped again and we're in this situation. It's it's just like, she, yeah, like I said, she's a 12-year-old girl growing up in an extremely abusive family. Like, she doesn't know another life. She just, She doesn't remember another family life, which is why that episode where where um, the main character's mom cooks her uh, breakfast and she, like, breaks down to tears, it's because she genuinely has never experienced that before. And now she knows what she could have experienced, but she just never had a taste of. So I think that's, like, 
a really good example of one that of like this trope working out really well and lending itself to the writing. I know both of you have seen Erased, so um, what are your thoughts about that? <laughs> yeah, I really never thought of her, but like, I yeah, you, I agree, agree that she's like a really good example of it, and that you know she's in that situation that she's dependent as well. Um, and not only that, she also like dreams of like trying to escape as well. Like she. Um, I, don't, I can't remember if she tries or not, but I'm pretty sure she would like to try if she could. And I guess it's up to Satoru to kind of um, help her out in a sense, because she kind of ha- puts herself in a situation where she's kind of um, alone most of the time, and then that's why she's kidnapped. But she doesn't really want to be in that situation, right? Which is why she cries when she, like, you know, meets other people or has um, has people be, or people are kind to her. And so she's a- she's able to finally experience that. And I think she builds off of that as well, which is really nice. She does dream about it. And like, like a, a big thing about her is she would like, she would try as hard as she can to not go home. But at the end of the day, she has to go home because it's like, yeah, she has no money. Like she has mm-hmm. no money, no job. Like she literally doesn't have anyone out there that she could depend on. And, you know, thanks to her abusive situation, she doesn't have friends because her clothes and like, um, and obviously her personality is very traumatized. And so like that, you know, that's things that makes it harder for you to blend in with like normal kids. And so and so it's just like she's she's backed into a corner and like as much as she wants to run away, she tries her best to by staying away from her house as much mm-hmm. as possible. She ultimately still has to return because she doesn't really have another option. So, right. Yeah, so that's like that's what I think is a really good example. Agnes, have you you've seen Erased, right? I haven't actually, oh. but I've seen enough. I've seen enough content from anime trending to like understand and piece together the story. And I think I read. Did you write the final impressions for Erased? Somebody did, and oh, I read it. So I was, I'm, I'm fair. I'm pretty fact, sure I, I edited it. I wasn't part of anime trending yet. You guys didn't know me yet. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay, I read it. <laughs> I read it somewhere then, I'm pretty sure, because that's the only way that I knew what was happening in Erased. Um, but I definitely agree with the idea that Kayo is like uh, a fantastic example of how the damsel in distress trope works well. And it's not simply just a plot device, but a way for the character development as well, and how it becomes crucial in the plot later on, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that kind of, uh, as I was listening to you speak, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, a lot of these damsel distresses we really don't relate to as much because all they just do is they either stand there or they just like recklessly throw themselves into the situation without a plan. Mm-hmm. So is the damsel in distress trope only good when the damsel themselves suddenly has like an ambition or a motivation to get out of the situation that they're in? I think so. I think at least if okay. they're trying... That's like if they're not trying, then I have a problem with that, right? So yeah, right. yeah. If they if they like if they have a chance to try, or you know at least have tried, but they unfortunately find themselves uh, kidnapped or you know in that situation again, um, and then they and then if they do reach out and then hopefully someone helps them out after that, but then like uh, and they don't get themselves in that situation again, and they learn from that experience, then I'm okay with that. But yeah, otherwise if they're just kind of like asking. Uh, asking to be uh, asking for it in a sense. That's what I'm all for really. <laughs> That's I true. Really though. Say that. no, I was like, right. well, how do I put this? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So then the other question is like, a lot of shonen series 
when they use their damsel in distress trope, they tend to have like a mini arc where the damsel improves on themselves. And then they keep repeating themselves in the same situation on and on and on. Like they learn kind of, but then they don't learn. It's like taking one step forward and then one step back. Does that ever deter you from enjoying the series as itself? Or does it just create more uh, dislike for the character? Uh, it's kind of both, if I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> like, I, like, I've, so I've read a counter-argument to that, which, once again, I, I, that, that annoys the, the heck out of me, almost cussed again, but that annoys the heck out of me, but I've read a counter-argument to that, where it's like, oh, when people grow, sometimes they kind of step back from their development and regress, but, but then they, like, catch up again, and that's, normal development in human beings and it's kind of hard to argue with that because I think that is very true to humans as a whole you grow and you become better but you might regress a bit but then you start going forward again so I could see how that like counter argument works as to why they seem to take one step forward and then another step back again before they take that other step forward again but it's still annoying for some reason, and I have no other explanation as to why I find it annoying. I just do. So yeah, that's my take on the matter. <laughs> do you think it's also because we have no introspection on these characters, like how they analyze or they think of the situation before they like throw themselves into it or maybe anticipate it? That's a good point. Yeah, because it's not like we... I mean, uh, anime is actually one of the medias that does the most inner monologues out there. In right. Regards, <laughs> in, regards to, uh, in regards to media. But even with anime doing so many inner monologues, you still don't really get a sense of what they're thinking when they throw themselves into it. Because it tends to be a little action-packed then, so it's not like there's a lot of time for inner monologues. And I think that actually might be why, this is just a revelation coming to you right now, but I think that might be why um, damsel in distresses in books tend to be accepted a little more because books allow for more inner monologuing. And so you can follow the thought process a little more. So even if you don't agree with it, you're kind of like, oh, that's why they did it. Mm, okay. Actually, yeah. When yeah. You I think, think I follow. That, yeah. yeah, novels do have more in a, in a monologue, so like you kind of see their act. Whereas, like if you're watching anime, right, there you just kind of see the action. So, like, I don't know why when you ask that question, Agnes, I just keep picturing Aaron just doing the things <laughs> that he does all the time. And so that's how you would still be annoyed a little bit with his character. Um, but yeah. Right. <laughs> but also, like now that I like now that I pointed out the counter argument, like what do you guys think about that counter argument though? Like, people saying, like, oh, these characters, you know, taking a step forward but then taking a step back is actually realistic because people do that in real life. Like, what do you guys think about that particular uh, devil's advocate? I mean, it happens. Mistakes happen. But I, I hope they're thinking through or thinking about their actions before they perform <laughs> them. And if, if they have the same reason every time, I don't know if I can follow that. We have to be rational here. <laughs> The two of us are like, we have to be rational. (laughs) Isabel, I have no time for this. (laughs) So I guess like the other thing that I 
want to point out is like because we don't know what goes on in the character's mind we don't know if like they go through a period of like self-doubt and impulsiveness to do the same things that they do because they don't know how to uh unlearn from it i guess Mm -hmm. so in the case like let's say textbook case of like chise right like chise continues to do the things that she does if we don't see the way that she thinks or the way that she reacts to certain situations because it's due to like bad habits of her upbringing or uh, or like bad habits that she developed on her own but then i think we would become like a lot less sympathetic towards her mm-hmm. um but if we see her grow like the character or at least the damsel distress to grow little by little even taking like that, that half step like like one step forward and then half step back but still reflecting like i can still tweak and change myself then i think it would be a bit more better so that the pointing out that the fact that books do a better job than like an anime as a media is also a good example of that too yeah no books has um well because the good thing about books or like a huge positive about books is that you get to set the pace you know obviously you can't really set the pace when it comes to anime you have to watch what was animated and what was voiced but with reading you know you can always speed up your reading or slow it down yourself and so i think that's what makes it easier on adding internal monologues a lot of times because if it gets long you know you can start skimming and it's not that big of an issue if you start skimming versus I can see, like, in anime, it risks, like, slowing the story down a lot and not really being able to do anything about it, per se, unless you just straight up start skipping scenes, you know, so. Right, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of unfortunate because I wonder if there's as much damsel in distress that you would see in light novels oh. in this case, because light novels are, they're not quite heavy in terms of reading content like actual books and novels are but they provide enough material that it can get animated and and actually provide a a ton of insight for certain characters too like for instance you look at subaru uh from re-zero i didn't watch re-zero i only hear things about re-zero so i can't make a full comment about that but the fact that let's say the the anime so far has alluded the fact that subaru felt very uh ashamed that he had potentially like disappointed his parents and that kind of like monologue and thought process doesn't really crop up until like near the end of the current season mm-hmm. and is not so much expressed in monologues, right? Right. So I wonder if like light novels have the capacity to kind of transition that for damsel in distresses and maybe that will change the anime scene for the better. I do think so because um, I don't read light novels, but... One of my friends read the complete light novel series of a harem anime that was completely chewed up and like torn apart in regards to how bad it is and how insulting it is to like female characters. I forgot what it was called even, but it was like it it was like infamous on being like a terrible like piece of trash essentially. But mm. she was curious because she was like it got made into an anime and from all that she's heard from like on like Japanese forums is that the light novel series is quite popular. And so she's like either like the light novel series is also trash and just for some reason people in Japan really like this sort of materials that she doesn't get because of a cultural difference or there's more going on in the light novels that the anime just cannot adapt and so she went in and she was like it's surprisingly pretty complex like she talked about how like all the female characters 
actually end up getting fleshed out really, really well. They're all like their own people in their own right. And she actually got invested in the harm. Like she was invested in it. Wow. Yeah. Like she genuinely was curious and was trying to guess who he would pick because she was so invested in all the female characters and sort of how they all tie together. And that to me, especially knowing like how badly the anime was trashed, told me it was a big sign to me that, okay, there's something else going on that works in the light novel format that just cannot translate over properly into anime. At least that's sort of my conclusion on the matter because I'm sure that several of the girls in there are damsel in distresses as well. I see, I see. It's probably, it really probably has to do with, like, the inner thoughts and stuff. I really think that's the key to this whole thing. (laughs) Which is a bit unfortunate, because, like, we pointed out how Japan is, or at least anime in this case, is infamous for its inner monologues compared to any of the media that we know. And yet, it falters to portray that. And I guess that's why the damsel in distress trope is so prevalent. I guess, like, the other example you could talk about is, like, Asuna, for instance, from uh, Sword Art Online, at least in the second season, right? Not in the later part, because I know in the later part in A War of Alcization, she's like a lot better. Mm-hmm. But in, for instance, like in uh, season two, she's, you know, typical damsel in distress trapped in a cage, but you don't really know anything about her. Yeah. And, and it's not, I guess, like the light novel, like especially like Sword Art Online Progressive, really outlines her character better. Mm-hmm. And then her interpersonal arc with uh, y- Yuki. I think, mm-hmm. really, like, cements her. So you're right. Maybe it's just a material difference. It's a source material difference. I do also want to adaptation. point out that um, Western media faltered in Damsel in Distresses before anime has. And I also think it has to do with the fact that Western media doesn't really show inner monologues at all. And so because of oh. that, the Damsel in Distresses was rejected even faster. While in anime, we can still have them because thanks to the fact that they do animate the inner monologues a little more. So we're a little more accepting of it, even if we find it annoying within anime versus Western media, where the minute there is a damsel in distress, you're kind of like, oh, this is so annoying. <laughs> like, you, you like you just cannot deal with it anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. No, it's like, it's just really interesting because I know damsel in distresses were a lot more popular, um, in the old olden days for obvious reasons you know you can blame bad writing you can blame culture you know etc etc but it's sort of shifted and um and while i like like i said with kyle for example i think there are perfect examples of well-written damsel in distresses that like absolutely work in the context of the story I want to rant real quick about the, that one uh, one damsel in distress character that drove me nuts, that genuinely drove me nuts and ruined an entire series for me. It's a vampire anime, but it's not Vampire Night. Oh, um, okay. Do you guys remember Devil's Line? Oh. oh, I looked at it today and I was like, do I want to talk about Devil's Line? Do I really want to? Hmm. But yes, keep going. Okay. <laughs> I know where this is going. Okay, so the female <laughs> protag is a perfect example of what not to do for damsel in distresses. There is no rhyme or reason to why she throws herself into these situations and constantly doing so. And, you know, just standing there when someone is running towards her where I'm just like, girl, turn around, run, run. Like, come on, it's so hard. And so, um, like, fine, if you run and get caught, I get it. But 
it's like um, the re- it's the reverse of the why are you running meme, but instead she's just like standing there. Yeah, like literally, she got like taken hostage for one of them. I was like, girl, you could have ran. Like it's not like pick up your two feet and you're wearing shoes that can run. Okay, you're wearing sneakers. So, um, but it's just like she to me is like a perfect example of what not to do for damsel in distresses. No background as to why she's like that and why she's so sacrificial. And she, for whatever reason, decides to investigate situations that are way above her head and her abilities and um, doesn't run when people are chasing after her and gets herself into hostile situations all the time. And that was sad for me because despite, like, her complete, like, blubberiness and her existence... I thought Devil's Line Society was fairly intriguing in the way that they portray vampires and how it seems like vampires are more of like a genetic thing that can't be avoided and it reminds me of genetic diseases and um, and they just want normal lives themselves and they just have to take extra precautions and stuff like it like to me. I just thought the interpretation of how vampires are in society was very, very interesting and not one that I've seen before in vampire anime. And it was just so completely ruined by the existence of that female protagonist. And so um, so that's why I just had a rant about it. Uh, <laughs> what were you going to say, Agnes? <laughs> Um, I also agree with you. She was, I think that was the only reason why I dropped Devil's Line after I think like four episodes in, I was like, mm. all right, this female protagonist is irking me too much. I can't handle this. Yeah. Um, especially when she gets like that really angsty scar on her face. Yes! <laughs> and so, uh, I, I don't know, Isabel, did you watch Devil's Line? I actually didn't. I read the manga. Okay. So, so yeah. oh, so you read the manga. So, you know, yeah. So like the blood and everything, and then he goes like crazy and I'm just like, wait, okay, wait, this wait, is a wait, bit wait. too is far. It, is it different in the like, is uh, well, it better? I, 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 I don't think so, because I, yeah, I was like... <laughs> no redeeming value. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, attracted enough to, like, read through everything in, like, maybe one or two days or something, but, like... Okay. I was not inclined to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was something. I was really hoping, like... Because the way that the visuals portrayed the protagonist, she looked like she was standing, like, she was holding her ground against, like, these two, like, vampire pet boys that she has at this point. But no, she's just, you know, victim. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 she is. She's just, and she's always in, like, and she always goes into the situation. I'm like, why would you go there? You have nothing. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's like she doesn't think at all, and she has nothing to protect herself with. It's no, like, girl. she doesn't think at all. Yes, that's exactly it. She doesn't think at all. And it's just, I don't know, like, you can disagree with me, Isabel, but at least I thought the way that the author portrayed the society was really, really interesting. And so it that pulled me in so much, and I love the fact that vampires are more, like, like they're the victims. They're not the monsters mm-hmm. that are hunting. They're the ones who are getting hunted and they're terrified because they have this disease essentially that they can't do anything about and all they want are normal lives. Like they don't want any of these drama and these um and these violence and these discrimination. And so it's just like so I just loved how that how she twisted that portrayal and then this main character is here and i'm just like oh please like please <laughs> so. no, yeah. 
I agree. I think the reason why I read that was like because I was so invested in uh, you know this type of concept. Yeah. And also, I, I just wanted to see Anzai a lot more, and so I pretty much I I would yeah I pretty much would skip to like the action and the vamp to the vampires and whenever the main character or, or when she was there I would just kind of skip over. It's like or yeah. when the politics happened, the politics was really interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we remember the main lead's name because he was so interesting the society that he lives in but we don't remember the main character's name I think her name is Sukasa, but I'm not entirely oh, sure I just remember her as like the ge- you know how like in American society we have like the generic blonde who's like the damsel in distress yes yeah, yeah in Japan it's the brown haired one. Oh. oh I just kind of realized that they're all like kind of like brown hairish sort of um, at least, like, the very bad, like, damsel in distresses are the ones, like, in the romance novels. Oh. Well, uh, Tsukusa does have brown like, hair. S- like, s- <laughs> fair- <laughs> like, fairly generic. <laughs> huh. What about pink hair? I mean, all you just think is Sakura at that point. So yeah, I don't see, know. I thought of her as well, but I'm like, now that I think about it, maybe I don't, I can't think of anything else after Sakura, so she might be, like, the only one, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. I like to point out that all the silver hair characters are all a little cuckoo. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, silver hair or white hair. Yeah, some interesting all, characters. They, they tend to be my favorite characters too. <laughs> 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 I have such a bias. Okay, we we like that's another topic that's actually on our list, so I need to save that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, all right. Ooh, do you guys have anything else you want to, um, you know, point out about the damsel in distress trope? Because, like, we you know we've already like we've dissect, dissect, dissected it quite a bit. You know, we've like pointed out where it works and like why it might work more in books and why it doesn't work in other media. You know, and like why it doesn't work. So, any other lasting thoughts per se? Yeah, I don't have much. I I feel like I really liked our discussion here. We discussed a lot, and I might look into more vampire because I feel like vampire. <laughs> are more. Yes, that genre just likes them, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's the whole idea of like, you know, you're the victim who gets bitten by the neck and oh my goodness, damsel in distress right there. Throw in some couple vampires and you're done. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the only reason why. Because like, you look at other tropes like werewolves or like any other supernatural creatures, but they don't come with the same level of threat, maybe? Question mark? Who knows? Uh, werewolves? are terrifying can tear your throat out i don't know why i mean they would it is terrifying that. but it's not like romantically terrifying in the way that how these damsel distresses work and that they all somehow end up with a vampire instead of like a werewolf will just maul them and kill them yeah i mean because there is something sexual when someone bites you versus like completely tear you apart so. I, I now can't unthink of the fact that the vampire like bite is basically a medieval way of saying a hickey it is it is I mean that's yeah it's a hickey isn't that all like I mean sorry to bring back vampire night but isn't that yeah. all like Yuki has with her scars like her bite scars is like they're technically oh my hickeys God. Mm-hmm. that's no <laughs> No. <laughs> My brain. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Vampires, for some reason, really like to use damsel distresses, but I say it's the sexual sort of innuendo. And I hope you guys join us next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.